This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. All right, today we have Robin, and I am your host, Isaiah Ackrich, with TRIO Student Support Services. So I'm going to let Robin take the floor and introduce himself, and we'll get started. Hey, thanks for having me, Zay. Um, so yeah, my name is Robin Batsuli. I'm a third-year student at NC State studying business IT. I actually just coded into that from industrial engineering, so still figuring it out, even though it's my third year. I don't know, some random things. I guess I I went on co-op in Ohio, and during that time, I practiced for American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Wait a minute. American Ninja Warrior? <laughs> yeah. There was a gym up there, and I just kind of went there like four times a week and learned how to do the little stunts there. It's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> That's all I know. Did you want to be on American Ninja Warrior, or you, you were just kind of doing the trainings? I wanted to be on it. But then I uh, I met the people who were good at it, and they're a different breed. Like, I, I'm i not doing the same stuff they were doing, but training was fun, so I'm sticking with training. So you said that you switched from industrial to IT, well, engineering to pool college management. Um, let's just dive right deep into it. Like, what was that switch like, and have you seen any pros and cons to your life now and, and then in contrast to back then or – just talk a little bit about that because that did pique my interest. And I'm sure that the listeners will, if they have thought about switching majors or coding, they will benefit from whatever you're about to say. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, uh, yeah, I came into the College of Engineering because just to be frank, like there's the, oh, NC State Engineering, it's great. You're going to be the greatest if you go through this program, right? And I like tried forcing myself to believe that like, okay, I can make it through. And if I can do it, I should do it because it's a great opportunity, but it wasn't giving me what I wanted. I wanted to be technical in ways that it wasn't letting me be technical because it's a lot more theory. It's a lot more uh, manufacturing per se. It's not, uh, I wasn't a hands-on person. I just wanted to know how processes worked. Okay. And then that's actually, that's one of one of my co-op, right? I went on my co-op and I did my first engineering internship and it wasn't what was advertised. I was behind the desk. I was running analysis. It was like all the big resume builders and it felt kind of empty. Like I saw myself and I was like, I can't be doing this for my whole life, much less more than four months. Right. So I, decided to like branch out and that's when i found something called sales engineering mm -hmm. it's kind of a mix between business and engineering mm -hmm. and while i was going through my sales engineering internship because i went through a second one i found that i just enjoyed the business side so much more and 
I was still able to be technical without having to go through an engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. So that's definitely, it, I could say that your co-op was definitely probably an eye opener for you as far as your career path. And, you know, one thing that this, um, stick out to me when you were talking about the engineering program is that, you know, personally, I've had to explain to my families multiple times, hey, I'm not actually an engineer, you know, because this school does push the engineering program, but there's so many other colleges that provide so much quality education and also just better career options possibly for people that do not want to go into engineering. And, you know, one thing I'm sure you can agree to this statement is that if you don't go into engineering, that doesn't mean that you won't have a successful career after you graduate. Uh Or if you don't go into engineering, that doesn't mean you're not like the smartest or something like that. Like, I feel like we need to destigmatize engineers being like the smartest, if that makes sense, because you know what I mean? Some people just are really, people just are really passionate about mathematics and just STEM related, um, STEM related careers and STEM related majors, but technically the IT um, major at Poole College of Management is really in depth technically as well. So even if you if you want to go into a technical role without stepping into the engineering or STEM bounds, IT is also still technically STEM, but it's not categorized as STEM because STEM is mostly related to like biology, chemistry, you know, engineering, whatnot. So that's also a good route. So with that, you know, um, talk about, so we went from freshman year and then you went to your co-op for sophomore year and now we're back at junior year. So let's let's reminisce a little bit and talk about our, um, how was your freshman year? Um, And just start there and and just talk about some good points and even some of the bad points. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Freshman year was, um, gotta say what they say is it was a movie because <laughs> you know zay and i we were both in the same grade we had the freshman year we had that first semester we had a month or two into the next semester and that's where covid hit and uh, covid affected every grade different ways like let's say the freshman now they didn't have their junior and senior year of high school sophomores now didn't have high school or their freshman year I, it feels weird of our grade because we did get that we had the full semester experience and then it was taken away from us right before you really have like your friend groups or the people or your identity really right as right as that solidifying everything was ripped away from you and it's, it's weird because you, you have to talk about freshman year and there are so many great moments but like now when i think about freshman year the cloud of covid ripping it all away is the first thing like i can barely remember everything else that happened freshman year. There were great hangouts, long study nights, people, I met so many people that year, but like, it's like, it was the year that was taken away from me. And that's the only way I could see in my head. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I can agree with that as well. Freshman year was definitely the movie of my college experience. Yeah. Little did I know I would make it to junior year and just not so much regret the experience, but like, I definitely do reminisce about freshman year and then the fact that we did go online for a semester and I mean two semesters actually and then then we come back to junior year and it's nothing like freshman year even though we're back in person and this is something that we all wanted to do it's definitely you know 
we didn't get the ability to have an adjustment period. We were just kind of thrown back into the classes and thrown the work again. And they just, I guess they just expected us to be able to just whip back into shape as quickly as possible. Um, Could you relate to that or what do you have to say about, what do you have, what are your comments on that? I definitely relate to this because like, yeah, we're juniors on paper, but we, we left as freshmen. We left in our intro level freshman classes and they're like, you're upperclassmen now. You were on campus already, so you know what's going on. You'll be fine. Just go into your upperclassmen year without really understanding what it meant to be at college. So I guess we're just trying to figure out what is college and what are our courses that are a lot harder now at the same time. It's kind of overwhelming to come back into that. It definitely is overwhelming. So, okay, so we got freshman year out of the way. So now we're coming to the meat of the conversation. So let's talk about your co-op and let's go into that. Yeah, okay. So um, I did do my sophomore year. I did the first semester and it was a slow semester. We were on campus for what, maybe two, three weeks. And at that point, I contacted my co-op manager i asked hey could i go co-op in the spring semester because i just i couldn't do online classes anymore like that and we'll fast forward to january now when i left for ohio um i was born and raised in charlotte north carolina i've been to raleigh for the last two years i i barely ever leave the state i appear i've never been to greensboro actually so it's like i'm making this eight hour drive in the middle of the night would not recommend doing that in the middle of the night to ohio wow everything i knew like it's nerve-wracking it's no one's gonna be there like no one's right there for you when you're not there's no family there's no friends there's it's just a barren land in ohio with a lot of snow and that's something i didn't realize because i was so excited like oh let me get out let me skip virtual school let me go work let me make money but no one really tells you that like you're gonna be up there alone and I, as a black man, was up there in a very predominantly white area. Wow. And that's definitely the case when you're going to different regions within the Midwest. You know, a lot of people don't think about, well, Ohio's technically in the Midwest. Yeah. Northern part of the United States, whatnot. But, you know, what we know, as far as our generation, we know L.A., Atlanta, um, Charlotte, Raleigh, New York, but all these other, you know, states in the U S like it's a big difference. Um, did you feel some sort of culture shock or what, what do you think you felt just going, going traveling there just to start us off, like traveling there? What was that feeling like for you? Can you counter up? Like, can you conjure up some memories that you've had? Like, what do you think? Yeah. And I mean, I was, I was going there. I fully knew that Ohio was a predominantly white place. And I, my high school is predominantly white. I go to NC State. That is also the case. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm used to it. I'll be fine. But this is just a whole different setting. This is, um, I didn't see another black man for a good month and a half into my time in Ohio. It was absolutely shocking. But at the same time, I, I really didn't feel unsafe. I was in a small town. I was maybe like the only black man or black person that I knew, like, I don't know, maybe a two mile radius. I could be exaggerating, but at no point did I feel unsafe, just like being in Ohio. These people, they mind their own business. They went about life. They just small town niceness. It wasn't like 
living in the South were like, oh, I'm not going to go out here because like, I'm afraid I'm going to be called the N-word somewhere. Like I was able to go out to the store, go back and not really have a worry about things like that. So it's weird. I was expecting that and I didn't get it there. I did have experiences I could talk about later. Definitely. And I like the fact that, well, I'm going to ask, did you go into this situation with an open mind? Because I wasn't going to say, I like the fact that you have an open mind, but I have to make sure that you did. So did you go into this with an open mind? Did you go into this with any um, preconceived notions or judgment, prejudgments? Like, what was that like? Or stereotyp- stereotypical thoughts? Like, what, do you, what did you go into this experience with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to cap. I'm not going to say I wasn't scared. I had, um, I had an afro that was, I had blonde tips and about seven inches of afro hair. And before I went to Ohio, I cut it all off just because of the fear of looking black. And I know that's, that's a weird thing because I am black, but like looking more black, making myself more of a target. I don't want to give them any reason. Like I don't want to give them any reason to make me a target. So I cut off my hair and that was a decision I still regret to this day because I wasn't being true to myself and going up. And as I talked about before, it's like, it wouldn't have mattered if my hair was longer. Maybe it would have, but I didn't feel that way. So I was scared. I had that preconceived notion that like, I need to act a certain way but I was open about, I really did want to learn like what it's like to live in the Midwest or Ohio. Cause there are a lot of engineering jobs in like the middle of nowhere. And at the time that's what I thought I wanted to do. Wow. Thank you for keeping it real. And I definitely like, I want to like stay in this little topic right here for just a few minutes and just talk about how we, we feel like us as black men feel like we have to kind of adjust to a certain criteria or a certain standard in the workplace. And I really like this topic a lot because it's the, it's the, it's kind of like the theory of professionalism and like how professionalism is, is rooted deeply in Western ideals. And also just, you know, in simpler terms, professionalism is just very whitewashed in a way. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've been set a standard, an American standard to be this exact image of what black men or African-American or minorities are supposed to act in the workplace. And we don't ever, we don't, sometimes, you know, it depends on what company you go to. Luckily, you know, personally, I worked at Cisco and they're very open and they're very diverse and they value diversity, but some companies that still hold those ideas, they still think that if you're black, you know, this is how you need to show up to work. This is how you need to be to avoid, like you said, being a target. So I definitely agree with that. And I feel like as black people or minority, you know, or marginalized individuals, you know, from different communities, um, we need to kind of take back professionalism and realize that there's ways to be professional, but then you can still show up in your most authentic self. Definitely. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, when I got there, I realized I might have not needed to cut off my hair. And I told my manager, my manager, great. He was so helpful. He was a white man, but I felt completely safe talking talking to him about race, anything like that. And he's like, no, we, we love to see diversity. Like we're really pushing for it. We were a traditional company before and we're trying to change that. And that's just, that really is so easy to say. And it was great for him because he really meant it. But as I went around the company, it's like, 
I didn't always feel it, you know? You could say, you can have all the pictures, you can show me all the examples, but like being in the company and not seeing it myself, it was hard. Because in my department, I I got there and there was only me and then there was a Indian man who worked there. About two weeks of me being there, he left. So I thought I was the only type of racial diversity in the whole department. I was just a co-op. I found out later that the person I sat next to was half Middle Eastern. So that, that also made me more comfortable. But hearing it advertises that and then seeing my department of uh, all white all white coworkers it just didn't add up. So I felt alone and isolated, you know? Yes. Wow, that's deep. So since we, you know, talked about adversities and being our true self in the workplace, mm-hmm. were, were, were there any adversities that you faced or any negative experiences that you faced with being a black man in Ohio? Mm-hmm. Um, there was this one moment and it happened pretty early on. So when I... I think like three weeks after I started working, when it happened to me, I I didn't process it for months. I didn't think about it. I was in straight disbelief. I was biking to work on a weekend to get my laptop so I could work from home on the Monday coming up because there was a snowstorm. And I stayed there. I talked to the security guard at the help desk because it was 24-7. Got my laptop, worked a little bit. And as I was leaving, I was a little tired because that bike right there was no joke. There's a lot of hills up there. And uh, so I take a break in the parking lot, just me and my bike. When a different security guard comes out um, and that security guard comes up to me, uh, pretty, pretty threatening. And you, you see videos online, you see all these videos like, oh, I was just minding my own business when a security guard came up and it was escalated immediately. So I'm like, they he goes up it's like i guess we're 20 feet away he's like what are you doing here and i immediately i felt an aggressive tone on that and so i said i'm i'm in danger i am a black man i'm not in my work uniform and i'm in a parking lot at a company but i I mean i work here i just just have to prove that and he goes what are you doing here i said i'm just here to pick up my laptop he's like i guess he's just never seen me around because i am a new co-op and i see his hand on his hip and I find out later that there was no gun or taser on his belt. Security guards didn't have that. But at that moment, there was no way of me knowing that. And he's like, uh, I need you to prove to me that you work here or something like that. I'm like, okay, can I please reach in my pocket to get my ID? And like, that was like the longest 10 seconds of my life where I'm just trying to get to my pocket and grab my work ID. And after, after he saw it, it was all good. He realized I did work here indeed. And, and it was de-escalated, but I, those were the scariest 30 minutes, 30 seconds of my life. Cause I didn't know he didn't have a weapon. I was on a property that I should have been on, but he had no way of knowing that. So I tried my best. I use like what I'll say, my whitest voice ever, like, hello officer. Um, no, I'm just here to blah, blah, blah. Just like to make him feel comfortable when I'm over here freaking out. And like, yeah, that moment, um, took me a while to process, never really talked about it. The company addressed it. I talked with the head of security for the company, but still, it happened to me and I, I didn't know how to feel at the moment. Well, first I would like to validate that's probably really traumatic to go through. And personally, I haven't experienced that 
yet. Um, I mean, I have been pulled over um, a bunch of times, but um, yeah, the whole, you know, thinking about reaching in your pocket just to grab something and that could be the end of your life. Like that's very traumatic. And I want to bring attention to that, you know, because that's the reality to people that are listening right now. That's the reality. You know, you can't even go to your internship without people assuming that you're not supposed to be there just because you have a specific color in your skin. And that's the reality that we live in right now. But so let's, let's, if you, if you, with all due respect to you and your mental state, like let's relive that moment, you know, what was that emotional? Like, how did that, how did that make you feel? Like explain a little bit more about that. Like, did you go through a set of emotions or like, just talk about a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, yeah, why, why was I here? Why was I sitting in the parking lot that like, why was I trying to be threatening? Like, I'm glad he was able to keep the company safe. I'm like, it was my fault. I shouldn't have been there like that. And then as I'm thinking, I'm like, no, like I did absolutely nothing wrong in that situation. Like he escalated way too far. I followed all instructions. I still didn't feel safe while I was following instructions. Um, but then again, as I mentioned before, I was alone. No one in my department uh, had my color skin at the time. I didn't meet my, I got set up with a black mentor later on in the company, but at that time I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. So it was like, I went into work. I did tell one person and that person made me feel like I, I was at fault. They're like, yeah, well, I mean, you were there on the weekend in a parking lot for bite. That's a, that's a little weird. Why are you there? I'm like, I mean, I guess I was, but at the same time, I don't think if my coworker did the same thing, I don't think they would have been in that situation. I think they just would have got like a little pat on the back and walked away. So that's when I got angry and I just got angry at the company. I didn't, I I didn't mention it for a while. And then near the end of my internship or near the end of my co-op, I actually brought it to my manager, the one that I felt really safe talking to. And he, he really validated my problems. He, the next day brought in the head of security, like worldwide security for the company. And I had a talk with him and then my manager sat in, I guess, for support with me to really, they both apologized to me. They said they shouldn't have done that. They're talking to the specific security guard, redoing training, but I'm like, yeah, you can make all the steps after, but like, what, what if it went a different way? What if he was armed and I was, really anxious and didn't wasn't able to follow instructions completely right way or like not able to work well under pressure it could have been a whole different story there wouldn't be an apology to me there'd be an apology to my family exactly yeah and that's deep because a lot of the times you know a lot of the apologies and a lot of the solutions come after the fact after something that has happened but there's no prepping for situations like that to not occur. So it's like companies should automatically be planning for situations like that. They should already be taking those actions to not even make, to make sure that situations like that doesn't happen at all. It shouldn't even be the company culture for situations like that to even happen. So the fact that that did happen is maybe represent a good representation of what the company values or how, like if they really value diversity, then why don't they, why do they have security guards that are appearing very threatening or, you know, just very aggressive from the start instead of 
finding out what the situation is. And yes, you know, they security guards do have to protect the company. They have to monitor the grounds and whatnot. But in today's time, do we care more about a building with things that can be replaced or human life? And that's what we really have to think about because the building, a glass, a glass get, um, a window gets broken, you know, or something gets vandalized or something like that. Replaceable. You know what I mean? It doesn't even take, it is, it is like to replace it. It would take chump change for them to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But a life is priceless, irreplaceable. So to me, it just feels like the security guard was a being aggressive and B, you know, maybe it was some racial targeting in there. And then three is like you value a company building over a person's life instead of finding out why that person is there and whatnot. So that's a very traumatic situation. And I'm glad that you brought it to their attention. And I'm sorry that they gaslit you into feeling like it was your fault for being on grounds after company hours. But even, you know, you talking about that, we are on school grounds after school hours. We, uh-huh. you know I mean, we go to different parts of campus. We walk around campus. Um, you, I'm sure you can walk on RTP grounds after, uh, after you know, company hours and whatnot. It's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go somewhere and just be there, for example. As long as you're not causing any issues, destruction to property, doing anything illegal, then I don't see the problem with just riding your bike whenever you feel like it. So I definitely want to validate that. But, you know, we um, need to move on to more happy things. So, like, let's yeah. talk about <laughs> the best parts of the experience. Let's dive into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, yeah, we were pretty grim at the beginning, but I wouldn't trade that co-op experience for anything. Uh, a co-op, an internship, any type of work experience you get, it's so rare to be able to test out a job for part of a year before having to do it full time. I sure it wasn't the job I wanted to do exactly, but it's better to find out what you don't want to do before having to do it. Cause I realized engineering isn't what I thought it would be for me. I'm sure there's different avenues of engineering, but the whole concept of it was this isn't what I wanted to do. Like, I still want to be technical, but this isn't what I wanted to do. And I was able to get out of that before um, before I was stuck in it. Or company culture. I was able to try a company culture that's more traditional, and that's not for me. I really want a progressive company culture. Um, I, My coworkers and the full-time people were so helpful on, like, mentoring me any questions I had about uh, something that was technical something that was um professional always right there to help me and getting advice from someone who's been through it before is irreplaceable and you're surrounded with people who have been there for 10 20 years just ready to help you and that that really shaped like what I thought working full-time was like it is a job but you're supposed to be happy in your job and there are people out there that want to see you grow. They want to see you do well. It's not just like, oh, here's a co-op. Let's make him the perfect candidate to be full-time. No, it's here's a co-op. Let's see if he likes the company. Let's really invest in that person. And if they come back, that's great. If they don't, then we they got to invest in somebody. So 
wouldn't trade the experience for anything. I talked about the the negative experiences were so spread out. And I don't think I emphasize that. Like it was a great experience. I love the company. I had a great time, but there are things like I'm I want to talk about things that did happen. So like it's not blindsided for somebody else because no one really told me that beforehand. They just told me how great it was and it was, but there are things that you will run into. I definitely agree with that. So with that whole co-op experience, could you talk a little bit about coming from that co-op experience back into the university level? Oh, talk about that shift. And I know, oh, man, <laughs> just go right into it. <laughs> ah, so yeah, you're a co-op. You're, you're still a student. You're, I was 19 years old, just went to a whole new state for the first time alone, worked 40 hours a week, came home, went to the gym, cooked my own food, uh, had to find ways to meet people, everything like that. And then all of a sudden you get put back into university and you, I don't know how to explain it. University is different. It's like homework is always there. There's always some type of work you can do, but when you're working full-time 40 hours a week, when you get home, you're home, you're not working no more. Ain't no one, I don't bring my work laptop home. I don't got my work email on my phone. I ain't got nothing like that. I'm home and I'm relaxing. And so when I came back to college and I had to go to classes, come back and do homework that's and be involved in clubs and things it's so different because <sighs> it's different in a good way though because full-time i i was trying to rush to get the full-time it's like i want my full-time job i want to make money i have 40 50 however long years to do that to work 40 hours a week have a weekend and come back college is so unique because you're able to, it's the only time in your life, apparently, where you get to go outside your dorm, sit down at the table, meet someone random, and it's normal. It's encouraged to meet someone random. But while you're full-time, it's like, these people got families. I couldn't really hang out with my coworkers. Our conversations were like, how are the kids? What did you eat for dinner last night with the kids? How is your wife? Like, that's not called college. <laughs> meet, meet your people, like, learn your things. And it... Before my co-op, I tried Russian college. I, I was like, let me get out as fast as possible. Let me take 18 credit hours here so I can get out a semester early. Nah, it's, there's just so much more to appreciate at college that you're not going to get after full time. And the co-op helped me realize that, like, yeah, I'm excited to get a job. I'm excited to work full time, but I'm not going to rush it no more because I understand what that means. It's not bad, but you just won't get this time back. And you won't be surrounded by your friends that you've made so many connections with you might you might like i that's just my experience but it helped me appreciate college case closed wow i definitely agree with that take and i like i like the positive spin you put on that i would say that um college does do great things for you as far as allowing you to have a massive networks and you know uh-huh. You ex- participate in extracurriculars and meet people and whatnot. But I would say that it, it definitely depends on what type of company you go into um, when you graduate from college. Because for one, like Cisco, um, I, I didn't get to experience an in-person Cisco ex- um, internship yet. But from what I can say that if I did go in person, I would have met people that are my age, like-minded, you feel me? And yes, people our age are getting married, but like, that's not what is 
truly happening um, for the entire senses of our age group. So it's not like you're going to walk up to a 20 year old five times and be like, Hey, how's the kids? So that's, I, I like, that's the, that's a good thing. You feel me? So, yeah, but yeah. you know, um, I, de- I definitely think that it depends on what type of company you go into. I've noticed that a lot of tech companies are more social, more young, um, whatnot. And a lot of the older companies, you know, maybe for example, hardware companies or whatnot, or automotive companies, they're more of your 30 year old, you know, family kids, whatnot. So I definitely feel you on that take. And I'm, I do like that take a lot. I was, I would say that also college can be overwhelming in the sense that we do have the ability to, um, in, in our corporate jobs, don't have to worry about taking your work home with you. But in college, it's like, there's always something due. There's always a test. There's always something, something, something. And I do appreciate the fact that in corporate, they they respect the work-life balance. I think that in college, they don't really um, respect the work-life balance as much as they should, considering that if you're taking four to five classes and you have to do a test every week or you have to do homework every week and you also they also want you to be involved and they also want you to care about your mental health, they also want you to work out to maintain your physical health. Personally, you know, it's been very hard for me to manage all of, all of those things. You feel me? And, and you know, Sometimes I can have a week where I have perfect time management skills. I can have a week where if I fall behind one day, I'm done for the entire week. So it's like, I feel like, you know, there needs to be a a restructuring in how we look at how we need to operate in college. But, you know, college has its pros and cons and corporate has its pros and cons. But what I can say is that, you know, it's both preparing us to work. So, oh yeah. Wow. That's, I like that. I do like that um, appreciation for your internship will co-op experience as well. Is there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners today about the co-op experience or any other things about your journey? Um, any resources that you found beneficial or if any ways that you think that we can stay in contact with you. Yeah. I don't want anyone to think about this conversation. Take away. Oh, I might feel unsafe as I go on co-op. No, that's, that's, um, do your research before going anywhere. Of course. Um, in the interview process, if you feel like you can't be your true self in the interview, you won't be able to be your true self at the company. So make sure to think about that. And I want to say this again, co-op was an amazing experience. I, yeah, I felt like I was missing out of college for a little bit, like seeing Snapchats of my friends at home and things like that. But that's an experience that it's, you're going to get there eventually and experiencing it now, either to find out what you don't want to do or what you do want to do is so important. So if you're on, if you're thinking you want to co-op or internship, do it. It's, it's an amazing opportunity you won't get later on. And if you want to stay in contact with me, my name is Robin Basuli, B-A-T-S-U-L-I. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, email me through the NC State portal if that's an option. And uh, I mean, Zay, you have my contact info. If you want to give them my contact info, I'm always open to talk with anybody that has any type of questions. Could be co-op, could be majors, anything. And yeah. 
Definitely. And I really appreciate your time today, Robin. Your story is very, very impactful and it will be very useful to people thinking about co-op, internships, their identity as they go into the internship co-op process, interview process and whatnot. I will definitely plug your information um, and I appreciate everyone that has tuned in today and stay blessed and be cool. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Be safe. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.